And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Krista Gorman, who due to suffering a cardiopulmonary arrest, had a near-death experience and came back a different person. Krista, thank you for joining me today and welcome. Uh, thank you so much, Jeff, for having me. Really happy to be here. Krista, if you don't mind, let's just start on the day that it happened and go from there. So I was, uh, I was pregnant with my daughter and I was in labor. It was an induced labor. Um, this happened in July 2000. And it was about 13 hours after the induction for labor started. And I hadn't progressed very far. Um, and my daughter was showing signs of distress. So uh, the nurse midwife had to put an internal monitor on her, on her scalp. And they literally have to screw the uh, monitor into the scalp. And she must have reflexed. Um, they say the, the infants don't feel it, but she must, must have kicked very hard and pushed amniotic fluid into my bloodstream. And all of a sudden, I started having uh, difficulty breathing. And I turned to my mother who was at the side of my bed. And I said, I'm, I'm feeling like I can't breathe. And the nurses just immediately jumped into action. And they yanked me on my left side. They put oxygen on my face. They had taken my mother and my now ex-husband out of there and started wheeling me out of the room. And, and just in those few seconds, I was having more and more trouble breathing where I was trying to, it was like trying to suck air through a teeny tiny little straw. And in the hallway on the way to the operating room on the labor and delivery floor, I literally sucked in my last bit of air and everything just started to go dark. And as that started to happen, I could feel this peace, this just sense of peace come over me almost as if from above and behind me. And the next moment of my awareness was of my vision looking down being high above the body in this room and watching as these black particles came racing up to where my vision was and the particles were coming from the body mainly in the center like the in the center of the chest the abdomen and and some from the head and I was this undulating cloud, this loose static cloud. And I was still Krista in, in my purest sense and pure consciousness. I was, I still identified as, as my, as I know myself, um, without all of the, uh, worldly sort of memories or attachments or understandings. I didn't know that that was me down there. I didn't know it was a body. I didn't know what a body was a human, nothing. And I just watched the events and I saw my daughter, um, what I later found out was my daughter being born and handed to somebody at my left. And I was watching and I recall feeling curious, just this detached kind of, oh, that's very interesting. I wonder what's going on there. And then I floated around to the, to the left side of my body and I became, I started to feel more and more curious and I, as soon as I, that feeling started to grow, then I felt a tug to my left. Something wanted me to go that way. And I resisted. I, I wanted to know more about what was going on and it pulled me a little harder. 
And I just said, okay, I'll go. And as soon as I let go of the resistance for leaving, I started to move very quickly out of there and through this, through the wall, it had become, the wall was sort of like a fluid tan color. And I saw the, I had seen the uh, wallpaper strip on the top and all of that was sort of fluidy. And I went through that into this bright white flash of light and then directly into the same particles I was only denser, more condensed. And I was racing along just imperceptibly fast. And just again, that, that sort of curiosity was still there. There was no fear. There was no, um, there was no thinking. I wasn't, I wasn't a mind. Um, I was consciousness and the, the side where the darkness was and the deep dark particles all condensed together, it became a little fluid at points. And there were sort of whitish gray sort of fluidy areas. And then all of a sudden I stopped and I had this download and it was literally like a download, like a um, funnel of information. And it all came to one point in front of me and that was love. And then I felt this incredibly blissful, all encompassing, unconditional uh, love that I couldn't even fathom existed. And I was just, it was all of me and I was it. And, and it was just like so blissful. And I felt that. And then I looked over to my left and there was a little, a little white dot of light and it wanted me I, everything was through feeling all the communication was through feeling um and i felt it wanted me to come to it and i and i felt i wanted to go so i started to move that way and as i got closer the the little light became wider and wider and wider and i could see and it was sort of a smoky gray um mostly white uh opening and there were shadow beings. They were these darker gray humanoid kind of beings. And in the front was a little boy and he, he needed my help. So I went into the space and they sort of fanned out to my left and I went deep into that, that space. And then I looked around for the little boy and he wasn't there. And then I felt all of the, these beings needed my help. And I wanted to help them. I felt back, I want to help you. And then they started to come at me one by one, sort of dart and dart away. And they were taking my energy. Um, I felt myself very similar to how I was in the hallway where I, I started to, as my heart wasn't, I wasn't getting oxygen and my heart wasn't able to beat as it needed to. Everything started to go dark. Well, that's how I felt in that space. I wasn't afraid. I wasn't um, anxious. I was just sort of neutral in my in my um, in my desire to to be there or not be there. It wasn't really it wasn't really either or. But as soon as I felt myself diminish, I felt no, I want to leave, and I was pulled out of there, and I started moving back into the dense particulate matter kind of space, and was there very briefly. And then there was a, a less distinct opening, which was the, the dark particulate matter. And then I could tell that there was a sort of a circle and I moved through that and I merged into this gorgeous landscape. It was 
beautiful yellow flowers and rock, uh, mossy rock covered waterfall to my left and an evergreen forest to my right. And then out in the distance, there were these green rolling hills and it was dotted with trees, this bright blue sky. And the sun was over um, behind the waterfall somewhere, but it was shining out. And I just merged, immediately merged with all of it. It was as if I were, I were the flowers, I was the waterfall, everything. And it merged back with me. It was like this exchange of just, it was love. It was just pure bliss, pure love. And I was, again, marveling at all of it. And then these beings appeared on either side of where, again, it's just my vision. And they appear on other, either side of me and they're communicating through feeling and they communicated to me, you can stay here, you can go to what is beyond this or you can go back. And, you know, they, they were, they were um, there to support me. They weren't there to tell me what to do or to give me any more information. I didn't desire any more information. I didn't need to know what was next. I didn't need to know what would happen if I stayed there. And I did not have a memory of being a human being. So I didn't know what going back was. But I felt back to them, I'd like to go back. And as soon as I felt that, I started moving backwards, back into the particulate matter space again. And as I moved, they, in that opening, started to become smaller. They were there and they sort of looked back at me and communicated, if you go back, you need to share what you learned here. And I felt back to them, okay. And the next thing I knew, I was pain in my chest. And then there was a memory of somebody had put headphones on me and was playing a song. And I was, I recognized the song and I was sort of singing the words. And then the next thing uh, I recall was hearing a commotion and I was in a bed, I was in the ICU. Uh, I was in a bed and I, I unhooked everything I was attached to and climbed over the railing of the bed and landed on the floor and wasn't sure it was gonna support me. My legs were pretty shaky, but I got my bearings and I opened the curtain and I saw about nine members of my family all in a huddle over you know, 30 feet away. And I saw my father's head pop up and he just goes, whoa. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I had everybody getting me back into bed, hooking me back up. And I was, I remember feeling so frustrated because I said, I, I, I just want to go home, you guys. I just want to go home. I'm fine. I just want to go home. And they're like, no, you're not fine. You need to stay, blah, blah, blah. And I had no recall of my NDE. Um, I had no recall of anything. And I didn't even know who these people were. I knew I was Krista. But beyond that, I didn't really know much. And I... I laid in that bed and the nurse came by, they got everyone out of there. And um, the nurse came by and she was picking something up. I saw her bend over the end of the bed 
And I just blurted out, I'm a physician assistant and I'm going to be working for Dr. Robert Ford. And he was my first employer as a new PA. I just graduated three weeks before. Where that came from, I have no idea, but I just blurted it out. And she just looked at me like deers in the headlights. And she said, okay. And it was written down in quotes in my chart because I read it later. And, but it was, it was an acknowledgement that I was there, that I was going to be okay because my, what had happened was I had an amniotic fluid embolism. Um, it had basically blocked off my lung vasculature and stopped my heart for eight minutes. During that period of time, I had gone into um, uh, a condition uh, called disseminated intravascular coagulation where you can't, the person can't clot their blood and they bleed out. So I survived that as well. And um, they had intubated me in the ICU and 36 hours later, I was so stable that they, they extubated me and had been weaning me off of the um, medication that they had induced a coma with. And that's where I came to and, and unhooked everything and climbed out of the bed. Um, but I was, uh, I was then moved to a private room and stayed there for several days. And um, I was just in this state of complete bliss. Everything was perfect. Everything was wonderful. Um, I had no recall of my NDE yet. Um, I didn't remember I was pregnant. But uh, as, soon as, as soon as they brought my daughter to me, it was day six, they brought my daughter to me. And she had been in an, an, a NICU at another hospital. She had to be transported. She had some issues after she was born. Um, but she was stable enough to be discharged too. And she came to me and, and I held her and I, and I felt like I already knew her, um, like we had met. And this was not the first time. And uh, my face didn't show it. My face, I have seen the video of it, very blank, very um, uh, non-emotional. But inside I was just, I was, I, I was feeling just so happy and so blissed out. And um, I, I assumed everyone could feel me. I assumed everyone knew what, exactly what I was feeling. And uh, there was no reason to speak. And so I figured everyone just, you know, kind of, uh, kind of already knew. So I'm there enjoying and, and happy. And they're all looking at me like, oh my gosh, is she okay? Is she going to be okay? Yeah. So uh, I was discharged home. And, and from there, it was quite a journey of, of um, well, first, having my experience come back to me during sleep uh, weeks later and suddenly waking up and, and I, I was a completely different person at that point. Um, I had the, the full experience and, and explanations for my family anyway of why I was the way I was because I had completely done a 180 and personality wise. I've been very type A and and, you know, science focused and, and I was going to be this, I was going to be a PA and I was determined to be the best I could for my patients, the best practitioner I could be. 
to take care of them. And um, all that was kind of gone. I didn't, I didn't remember being in PA school. I didn't remember a lot of things um, due to the lack of oxygen to my brain during that time. A lot of it came back. Um, but, you know, the, when, when I came back into my body and then woke up and then had the recall and had some understanding of it at that point, I was able to sort of, um, you know, have some, some critical thinking around it. Um, and I just realized that, you know, I knew my life was never going to be the same. And I had this job to do this promise I'd made to share what I learned. And for me, what I had learned was that, that we, we are the embodiment of divine love of what we, we call with human words, God, um, other, other, you know, that's what Christians and other religions call it. And other religion, other religions have different names, but the name doesn't matter because it all points to the same thing. And for me, God is simply love. And it's what, what we're made of. Um, it's what everything is made of. And that, that, that having that sort of, sort of job to do um, in my old life, coming back into my old body in my old life where, you know, the way I was, was already well-defined. Um, I had to redefine myself and I first had to, to explore who Krista was in this life, in this world and heal parts of me that needed to be healed and understand my experience and in, in the ways that I needed to understand it in order to authentically share the message. Um, and the shadow beings I, I learned um, for me was a point where, where I was checking in. Um, the, the, my experience was created and, and co-created. So I created it and the universe co-created it with me. Universe, God, spirit, whatever we want to call it, um, co-created it with me. And it was purposeful and it was for me um, as much as it is for everyone else. And the shadow beings were a way of, of me seeing if I could choose me first over helping others, over giving my energy away to others. And all of us can identify with that, um, that sort of, of feeling like you're depleted after being with, with people that you're trying to help. Um, or people coming to you for things and, and you can only give them so much. Um, for me in my life, I, I've always been in helping professions and I, and I gave of myself and gave of myself without replenishing. I learned through my near-death experience and what it taught me how to allow for that universal energy, that love to move through me and share it with other people without feeling depleted of energy. Um, and that was an important piece. Could I do that? Because that's very much a part of why I came back um, doing what I'm doing. So 
so that little piece of, of my NDE for a long time, I didn't understand it. And then, you know, after some, some growth I did. And, um, the other piece was, was there's something called, and I'm sure a lot of people have heard of it, law of attraction. And it's spoken of, um, in many circles, but for me, I experienced it as a force, a true force where in a non-resistant realm, such as the one I was in non-resistance, there's no resistance. It's pure, pure energy, pure love energy. The, the law of attraction, your desire is met immediately. There's no, no down. There's no wait time. There's no lag time. Um, here ego represents resistance. So, so when we're, when we're able to be ego free and in a, in a space of, of allowing and being open, um, then the things that we desire can better manifest. And also we can more purely communicate with one another and, and really understand one another. So those are really the, the, the two big, um, two big things for me that I, I gleaned directly from my NDE. There's so many other things that have come to me over the years that I just, that come up through intuition that I know, I, that I know to be true. And, and I feel that, um, that that was part of the download that I had, you know, those moments, um, of understanding. Krista, thank you for sharing your experience. When you first were out of your body and you were looking at it and you saw these black particles coming towards you, what were those particles? They were my, the essence of, of my soul, the essence of, of me. I carried it with me into the next part, you know, the next realm of, of my experience. So you think it's kind of like symbolized as black particles, or do you think those were actual physical or energetic pieces of you coming to you? I feel they were energetic pieces of me. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Well, you were looking at your body, you know, you were kind of emotionless about it. I mean, you weren't really upset or having any fear. Did you make the connection that hmm, maybe I'm dead at that point? No, because there wasn't an, an I. There wasn't a me. Um, there was just my existence as I know myself, but there wasn't any sort of connection thing. This, this detached sort of neutral just being, just kind of just being there. One of the things you've got from the download was love, but did you get a bunch of information downloaded as well? And if so, can you share with us some of the other things that you downloaded? The, there wasn't anything that I could point to and say, I learned this and I learned this and I learned this. It's more of my, I felt like my DNA had been restructured, had been, um, yes, restructured. And that information is all part of that restructuring, if that makes any sense. 
Um, and that's what I carried back with me when I, when I came back. And that's why I felt so different in my, in my body, in Chris, in Krista's body. Um, and when some, some people come back from NDEs and they have these, these gifts where they can, um, you know, un understand what somebody's thinking, understand what somebody's feeling, or they can predict the future or they're psychic now, or, or even other gifts, you know, um, other sort of, you know, playing a piano or, or learning a language, things like that. For me, it's been a sort of a journey of discovery, but the most pronounced thing was my understanding, my broader understandings that come to me when I'm in the face of, of information that's being presented. Um, one example would be when COVID first broke, I knew that this was going to be an endemic, an endemic um, virus. I knew that we would be going through a rough period of time for a while as a, as a world. I knew that there were those of us who were here to sort of anchor and, um, and kind of hold, hold us all together energetically. And I was one of those people. And I went and I worked in the field hospitals, COVID field hospitals in New York and Texas. And I was able, I was at the point where I was able to hold my center, but I knew as we moved along and, and this is not something that, that I've shared actually with a lot of people. Um, but when the, you know, when the vaccine started to come out, um, I knew that there was, of course, there's going to be this huge, huge kind of separation of groups pro-vaccine, not for the vaccine. I also understood that all of that was purposeful because it's all part of what we came here to accomplish as human beings, um, what our, our sort of soul contracts are so to speak, um, you know, we have to give words to these things. And it's, it's really challenging for me to, to give words to it because it's, it's all energy and it's all exchange of energy and it's all transference of energy and um, building and taking away from over here. And, um, and it's, it's kind of difficult to put into words, but, but every, every single event, you know, has happened for a reason. And um, it's beyond what a lot of us understand. Um, and it's beyond what I can put into words. But I know, I know in my essence of my being that, that all of it is leading towards an amazing, amazing existence for us. And we do not have to be afraid. We can choose not to be afraid. So the, the fear component of it is, um, is mm, it's, it's a huge deterrent from what, what we're really here to do, which is, is to share love and, um, and connect and 
um, help show each other how we can live in a world where love is the predominant force. Um, and there's just a lot of little things, you know, that I've noticed in the news and, and where I'll read something and, and just have an understanding, a broader, much broader understanding of it, reading between the lines. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a little difficult. Um, one thing that has, I've noticed is that um, the energetic, the state I'm in energetically at any given moment, um, other people pick up on uh, sometimes immediately and, you know, begin to reflect back to me. I can, I feel them shift. I've noticed it with patients. I've noticed it with colleagues um, that, you know, the way that I feel, the way that I move energy is, is felt by other people and um, whether they realize it or not. And that I am, I am Im immediately affecting other people by how I feel in that moment, how I choose to feel in that moment. So it makes it so important to, to, to be that center of the storm, to be the peace, you know, amongst the chaos and, um, and be that focus of, of love energy, you know, and, um, and walk, walk the, walk my hero's journey you know, with it. During your NDE, do you believe that your ego was completely stripped away and all you were was just pure awareness? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Now, part of your experience was that you saw these shadow beings and you saw a boy and you said that you co-created that. So do you think that those beings and that boy was just like an illusion compared to the beings that you communicated with later that actually gave you the choice to stay or come back? Mm, that's a really good question. Uh, no, I feel that they, they were entities and they were vibrating at a level um, that they chose to be at and that they um, were there uh, at that point and they they had an opportunity. It felt like they, they had an opportunity in me um, to sort of move on from there. Um, they required more energy. And the, uh, the little boy was sort of a, a way to, um, to evoke a stronger feeling of compassion in me. Uh, a desire to help because that was required in order for me to go there. And so, and at the same time, I, I feel like they, their, their sort of um, manipulation was not, was not um, a, a bad thing, a negative thing. They were not negative at all. They just needed help. It's like the like the the person who is houseless, um, and and needs medical attention, um, but doesn't realize it. You know, um, it you, you know, I wanted to help, and but yeah, that was that was an absolute requirement. They were they were ego. They had ego, 
Yes. The second beings that gave you the choice, who do you think those beings were? I feel like they were my, um, they chose to be my support. They chose to, to be present there at that, that point in my journey. Um, they were like, I call them my guardian angels because that's what I can probably most liken them to in, in terms of the, of human words to give them. They were, um, ascendant beings. They were completely unconditional in their love for me and completely, um, completely, uh, neutral in everything. So there was no wrong thing. There was no wrong choice. Um, there was no wrong period in that existence. One thing that I find fascinating, and I just had a podcast with somebody, two guests prior to you, that said communication was, feel, was done by feeling. And you're saying the same thing. And that's, I think she was the first person who said that. Yes. And that, that taught me that um, here too, that fe- how we feel is it supersedes what we say or even how we think, what the words that we choose to think. Um, It's all about feeling. And feelings are, emotions are are emotions, they're energy, energy and motion. And, you know, there's been people who who are writing about it. Candace Pert, a PhD, who worked at the NIH, was doing research at the time of her death on emotions in the body and how they she was she would she wanted to see them and see them work and um you know she was the first person that i read uh who described a uh what's called a ligand which is a like a a neuro neuro neurochemical going to a receptor in the body and the ligand wiggles into the receptor it vibrates into the receptor and then we have we experience something in the organ the organ does something it releases you know um insulin or or you know absorbs this other chemical um so you know she was looking for that piece that that thing that that she could say okay this is what love looks like in the body you know um we're getting there. We're, we're starting to, to connect science and, and what we call spirituality, which is really physics and, and, um, and the universe, what makes up the universe. You said once you came back that you healed parts of yourself. What parts of yourself did you heal? Mm. Well, I healed my way of being in the world. Um, how I feel in my body, in this, this, this vehicle that I carry around, um, I was able to glean my experience, what I learned in my experience, the love, take that love, that love, um, actual experience of being in it and put it into words and practice these, they're, they're with states of being. And I practiced them. And I was able to become more 
of who I really am. And that's love. And physically embody it and, and based on how I feel. Um, so I, I had started, I was at a point in my life 10 years after my experience where I was, I was having a hard time in my, in my marriage, in my life, my work life, everything, everything was sort of like blowing up in front of me and, and, and I just wasn't happy. And I was, I was looking for, for that love and trying to, to figure, figure it all out. And so I, I just started meditating and I was, I was constantly just letting go, letting go letting go, letting go of ego, letting go of fear, letting go of, of desire to control all of that. And, um, and I started meditating and, and I started journaling after meditation and I was writing one day, I was just writing words down that came to me. And then I went back and later on, and I was reading the words and I'm like, wow, this is, this is pretty profound. You know, these words really encompass, encompass my NDE. And I, and I decided I was going to start practicing these words. And it's things like, like loving, willingness, faithfulness, patience, purpose, um, spirituality, spirit lips. I was, and I thought, I'm going to live these words. I'm going to, I'm going to live them. And I'm going to embody them. And I, and I started doing it. And, um, and also using the law of attraction, you know, uh, monitoring how I felt about things, how I chose to think about things and the way I, I conducted myself in, in the world. And, um, and I noticed that the people around me began to change. And I noticed it most profoundly in the emergency room where I worked. And the, the chaos that is the ER, a busy ER, um, became less chaotic and uh, the people I was interacting with on a daily basis became less difficult and you know the notoriously grumpy surgeon was no longer grumpy when I called him <laughs> and asked him to come in <laughs> you know things like that my life just got easier and better and and I felt good and my health improved and I just was amazed at the transformation. And so that's when I, I felt the sort of calling to write it down in a book. And, and I didn't want to be cliche and write a book, you know, about my experience. I was like, well, well, this is the part of sharing. I had to really remove my ego from that. So I put my experience in the, in the, in the book and, and made it, you know, the first Chap, couple chapters and and then I dove into the 12 principles and published it self-published it on Amazon and um, it caught the attention of uh, ultimately of Morgan Freeman's um, research person for his show story of God and they reached out to me and had my daughter and I on their show um, the second season and um, so that was an amazing experience and and had I not written that down written my experience down, written about the 12 principles uh, that may not, most likely wouldn't have happened. And um, so it was really, it was a really cool thing um, to come out of all of it. But it's just about walking through, through fear and diminishing ego and, and sharing love. Mm -hmm. That's it.
you talk about sharing love. What is the best way to do so? Uh, well, first with yourself, um, being loving and kind in your own mind to yourself, nourishing our, our bodies. Our bodies are, are a temple of love, of if we want to call it God. And, and they deserve to be nourished and cherished and taken care of. So, you know, simply focusing on that alone, you, are, you cannot help but share, share that with the world. Because, you know, we are electromagnetic beings and we pick up on each other's electromagnetic energies. It's, it's unless we have barriers, literal barriers, physical barriers between us, it's literally impossible not to. So I have a personal responsibility first to myself to make this body temple as healthy as it can be. And then my next responsibility is to share that with others. And, you know, I've witnessed healing take place just with the, the touch of a hand on someone. I've felt and watched their eyes change, their face soften, their body relax and basically physically transform in front of me. And, and we have that power for one another and to, to influence each other in that way. And um, that's, that's really the, and if that's all we do, then we've done enough. <laughs> we've done our job. How much time had passed after your NDE until you had the dream and you remembered it? It was months. Um, I've looked back at journals because I don't exactly recall. Um, I've looked back at journals and, and, you know, initially it felt like, like several weeks. Um, but when I read my journals, I realized it was about three or four months, um, later. And, and I, you know, I was writing about it where where before I was saying I something's I'm so different like I know I'm different and and I don't know how to put my finger on it but there's something so different about me and and I wish I knew what it was and and I just feel you know like I'm I'm kind of I'm missing a piece of myself and yeah and then I I found I found an entry where I had my whole experience and and I, I have a memory of calling my husband in, my ex-husband in um, the morning I woke up of, and telling him about it. Like I woke up and I was like yelling for him and he came in and he listened and I told him the whole thing and he listened very intently and he said, we're just so glad you're here. And, uh, and I'm like, yeah, but what do I do now? <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's where the searching began. And actually, I reached out to Jeff Long, um, and he emailed me, and he said, "Pay attention to your dreams." And and um, and that was after I had had my the the recall of it. And uh, and I didn't even want to tell him in the email that I had had the recall. I said, "I think maybe something happened when I coded." And and he when he replied with that, "Pay attention to your dreams," it validated me. Uh, it was exactly what I needed. Did your ex-husband acknowledge your experience as well as the new you? He, he acknowledged my experience. Um, 
he did not understand the new me so much and um was i didn't have the support that i really i re i really needed it for me i really needed it um so i just i would push my experience to the back of my mind i i was like well it was just for me it wasn't for anybody else and i you know i don't know how to share this people don't understand really they don't really understand um so I'll just kind of keep it to myself and that'll be okay. I'll live my life, but I couldn't, I couldn't continue to do it anymore. After you came back, you had some memory loss due to the, you know, lack of oxygen in your brain and you felt different and you, you and I guess you were different actually. And then you had the, the dream of the NDE experience. Have you ever re-experienced the old self? Mm, yes, in moments of ego. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I was, I was very, I was very driven, very driven, very focused, very black and white. Well, there were gray areas, but mostly black and white. I was um, very type A, and and. Um, I, I loved people. I loved connecting to people. I loved, um, helping people. Um, and I, yeah, it was this for 10 years, it was this tug of war between the old Krista, the new Krista, the old Krista, the new Krista. And I, I couldn't seem to find a, a bridge to sort of connect the two. Um, and, uh, and that's, you know, it finally came to a head and, uh, and I had no choice and I'm so grateful. In your notes, does it say that you were dead for eight minutes? Yeah. They lost my pulse at nine eighteen in the morning on a Monday morning. And, um, and it came back at nine twenty six. What do you think inspires you about your experience? Oh, well, it's that feeling of the love, um, that's what inspires me because I, I want to feel that, you know, so many people who have NDEs, they want to go back or they didn't want to come back. Well, for me, I didn't know what this, what this was. I had no memory of being human. And while I know going back would be phenomenal um, I want to be here. I want to share that profound love with the people that I meet, the, the people I'm, I, I haven't met, you know, I know that us talking and just talking, sharing about this is affecting everything that's creating, creating an energetic current of, of high vibrational positivity that that's affecting everyone in the world, even though I can't see it. You mentioned about our energy states earlier. Do you think it's a good idea to just only consume things on television that are like comedies and things that make you happy? That's a really good question. Um, you know, there's a writer that one of the, the things I did when I 
um, was processing my experience and, and, and trying to be who I am. I read a book by a, an author called Prentice Mulford, and he wrote Thoughts Are Things. He wrote it in the 1800s. And, and he writes about that very thing, the exposure. If you want, if you want to, to feel good and have good health, uh, he suggested not to expose yourself to, to things that disturb you, disturb your spirit in any way. And that got me really thinking about that and, you know, feeling it through and, and then monitoring myself. When I did watch the news or watch uh, movies that were violent and things like that, well, I was sensitive to that to begin with. I was, I, you know, I would feel, <laughs> I would feel a lot watching a film, um, you know, along with my ex-husband and, and um, I would just remove myself because it didn't feel good. Um, I personally, I, I don't pay very close attention to the news. I know the gist of what's going on in the world from, you know, what I hear others talking about or what I kind of glean when I, I um, pull up uh, um, my homepage on my computer, but which I do keep as a, as a news, I kind of glance at it, and, but I don't delve into it. I don't, I don't get too bogged down in it because so much of it is, is for the benefit of, you know, getting a rise in people affecting us emotionally. Um, I took a class in college and it was, it was about how to uh, interpret the media critically. And we literally analyzed newscasts from, um, you know, how many minutes each one, each, each uh, um, channel spent on a specific story and what pictures they have in the background and the words that they used during the newscast. You know, we, we picked it apart. This was when I was 19 years old. So I already had, I always look at the news critically, but, but if there is negativity, um, that's being, you know, broadcast um, to the world, then I choose not to be a part of it. Um, it doesn't mean I don't care, because I care very much. But if it disturbs my peace, then it's not worth it to me to, to sit there and, and absorb it just just to be what we call informed, because a lot of it too is, is, um, it has bias inherent in it. So, you know, I just, I like to, I like to feel good and I'll seek out things that help me uh, if I'm struggling in some way to feel good. And if I'm watching something that, or listening to something that doesn't feel good, I'll change it, turn it off or put on something else. Yeah. Do you fear death at all? No. No. Should anybody fear it? No. Um, for me, it was as, as, what's the word, as smooth a transition as breathing in and breathing out. It was completely seamless transition. Um, you know, Woody Allen has his line. I've heard him say, uh, I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. And I think that's the thing, you know, and, and Joseph Campbell, as I quoted him before saying, you know, 
uh, and he, I think he's quoting somebody else. When the angel of death is upon us, it's terrifying, but when it arrives, it's bliss. And, um, and it truly, truly is. It's, it's a natural process, completely natural um, and inevitable. And um, we don't have to rush it, but we can if we want to. We have free will. We have free will here and there. Um, won't change a thing. Do you believe in reincarnation? And if so, why do we keep coming back over and over again? I do uh, believe in reincarnation. I've had the recall of past lives myself. And it is for our energetic, spiritual growth, expansion. So the universe is expanding because we are expanding. Not just us, but everything is. Oh, but to answer your question, we're expanding. And um, yeah, and, and in, until we uh, learn the, um, the lessons, we call them lessons, they're energetic shifts, they're states of, of being, uh, until we get to the, the state of being that, that we um, decided we were going to get to when we came into the body, um, then we'll, we'll stick around. We can always choose to change the plan. We have that free will. And there is no right and there's no wrong. Um, that's my understanding. You said that the universe is expanding and we are expanding. Could we say then that we are the universe? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And that's what, for me, the, the particles were there for me as Krista in this 3D body to recognize when I came back and had the recall of my experience, to be able to connect the physics with the multidimensional you know, experience of being. Yeah. So you mentioned your book earlier and it's called, I died and learned how to live. Where can we get it? It is on Amazon. Um, and that's the only place that I have it right now. Um, I self-published and, um, yeah, so it's available there for download or you can order hard copies if you want. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Are you okay with that? Oh, yes, absolutely. I have a blog, ChristaGorman.net. Uh, and they can also email me at 12principles at gmail.com. Krista, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? Oh, my gosh. Um, one last positive message. <laughs> have fun. This is about, this is about experiencing joy, this life. Come to a place if you can to where you can actually, you know, look around you and be content and be um, happy with where you are. Do whatever it takes to get there because it's so worth it. Thank you for that message. And Krista, thank you again for being my guest. I really appreciate you, and I wish you a great rest of your day. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful.